Hi, and welcome to Breakfast with an Alcoholic. And can you believe it? We're already up to episode three. My name's Randall. I'm an alcoholic and your host. The premise here is pretty straightforward. I have breakfast with an alcoholic. We talk about addiction, recovery, sobriety, whatever else comes up. This morning, like a lot of mornings, I'm having breakfast at Gracie's Corner Diner with my friend Marie. She's 26 years old and is about to celebrate three years of sobriety. She's got an amazing story. So pour yourself a cup of coffee and join us. Marie, welcome to Breakfast with an Alcoholic. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Great to be here. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? So I grew up in Westchester, New York. Mm -hmm. I'm 26 years old. I just graduated from college with a degree in psychology and sociology. I have three years sober. It's been a really long journey. Oh, also, I just want to mention that I'm getting my KSAC, which is a degree to be a drug and alcohol counselor, oh, which is something that's really important that's to really, me. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. So, so when did you first start drinking using? So I first started drinking when I was 13, and it got out of control. And at 14, I actually went through something pretty traumatic because of my drinking, and I think that kind of made it spiral out of control. And my parents didn't know what to do with me, so they put me in my first outpatient program at 14 years. Old and I and I actually went to my first AA meeting at 14. Tell me what it's like to go to an AA meeting when you're 14 years old. So I literally got there and I was just like, "What the hell is going on here?" And this woman came up to me and she was like, "Oh, like I could be your sponsor if you want. I could bring you to a meeting every night. I can pick you up." And I was just like, "What? Like, what is a sponsor?" And I remember my dad being outside. I got in the car and I was like, "I'm never going back there again." Yeah. <laughs> and look at me now, yeah. you know. How long did you stick with it? So I probably like not even two weeks. I was in the I was in the outpatient and I was like still drinking and I would come in like I drank this weekend and everyone's like you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> That's not the point of the program. So like I said, there were consequences really early on for me. So when I was in tenth grade, when I was fifteen, I ended up getting arrested. And so after that, I had to do like a mandatory outpatient program. I was basically on probation and I stayed sober probably for like six months because I had to. But I remember I was so miserable. I felt isolated and I didn't have like the one thing that I used to cope with everything that I had gone through. Like the idea of getting through a day and not drinking. You're like, what? I know. And it's hard for people to understand. It's very hard for people to understand. And it's like there's a panicky feeling you get. And you're like, wait a second, how's this going to work today? Exactly. And, um, and and I can only imagine, you know, it's one thing to cope with that when you're in your 50s. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're 15 years mm -hmm. old, that's a pretty tall order. For you, where do you think the low point was? Or where did the wheels really finally come off? So... When I was 17, I, I was dating this guy, and it was not a healthy relationship. And there was one night where we got into a really, really bad fight. And when I drink, I turn into like a different person. Yeah. And he definitely had a problem too. The next day, I knew my parents were going to be like, I need to go to inpatient. And, and they did. And yeah. That'd be great. Thanks. So where did you go? <laughs> I went to Karen okay. in Pennsylvania. And when I was there, I realized, like, okay, I'm definitely 
an alcoholic. I definitely have a problem. And they're very like twelve step based there. And they tell you like you have a disease. Because I always was questioning like what is wrong with me? Like why do I drink the way I do and everybody else can like drink normally and be okay? Like, you know, what is this? And it runs in my family but I wasn't aware of that. Like my parents didn't tell me that. And I also like felt so guilty for what I put my family through when I was at Karen. And that also motivated me a lot to get sober because I'm the oldest. I have a younger brother and sister. They saw things they should have never seen. I mean, my parents were worried sick about me all the time. And I blame myself for those things that happened to me for so long because like, I was drinking and I was using and I got to the point where I was blacked out, and, you know. So I did blame myself for those things, but I realized, like, in sobriety and in therapy, like, it's not my fault. You know, that, that's a really important point, and I, and I think one of the things that we lose, and it's, and it's one of the hardest things to lose, is kind of the ability to take care of yourself, you right. know, to, to feel like you're entitled, mm-hmm. you know, like, you, you just have this idea, like, all the bad shit, I deserve this, exactly. because I'm, you know, I'm this terrible alcoholic stayed sober for about a year and a half, but I like wasn't truly focusing on myself. I think that's why I relapsed so many times and I had multiple inpatient stays. I went to the psych ward multiple times in the periods of like, you know, abstinence and then going out. And every time I relapsed it just got so much worse. And for me, my addiction got to the point where I didn't give a shit if I lived or died. And the yeah. guilt was so intense every time that I relapsed, the guilt and shame that I kept using because I didn't know how to cope with that. Yeah. I think it's really hard for people to understand that I was a huge relapser, too. I, you know, I, I, I started trying to get sober, like, 2010-ish. Right. And it took me, like, nine years to get a year. And I think I never had more than six months yeah. at any point in that yeah. 10 years. <laughs> the difference is when I went to Karen yeah. and I was there for a month and I was a model student. Were you? I was released a day early. I was so, so was good. So was I actually. <laughs> you know what I did that you didn't do? What? I stopped at the Chili's about 35 minutes down the highway and I had a drink. No way. I sure wow. did. Wow. That's a relapser. Oh yeah. All right, wow. and, and you know it's funny because I, I mean I keep all of my old journals. Mm-hmm. And I go back and look at it, and I mean, I think I was sincerely trying. Yeah. And I, I just don't know how to explain it. I know. That's the thing about some of my relapses, too. I don't know how to even explain exactly what happened. Okay, so what was it that finally brought you in? So, basically, of course, I was dating a guy who also was like an addict alcoholic himself, and... At this point, I would try to go to meetings, and I would try to stay sober. The most I would get is, like, 60 days. And I asked this guy, like, can you, like, try to stay sober with me? And, like, specifically, like, not do Xanax, which is my drug of choice. And there was one night where I went over to his house, and he was on Xanax. It was very obvious. And when he went into the shower, I searched the room, and I found it. And I took them. (laughs) And he came back in. He's like, where's my shit? And I was like, well, you lied to me. I was like, you don't care what happens to me? And he was like, no, like, I don't give a shit if you die. And at that point, like, I didn't even care either. And so that's the point that it got to for me. And I took every drug I could possibly get my hands on that night. And I almost did die and I overdosed and my parents found me after like three days. 
when I went into a psych hospital and while I was there, I realized, like, this is just going to keep happening. Right. Like, it's never going to get better. Like, God saved me for a reason. Like, I can help so many other people who have gone through the same things that I have. And so that's really the realization that I came to. And after that, I was willing to do everything that I possibly could to stay sober. For the first time in my life, I focused on myself. I didn't have a boyfriend. I was truly looking at myself and all the things I didn't want to face my entire life. Right. And so now I'm coming up on celebrating three years on April 4th, and I mean, I never thought that I would have three years. Right. It's a fascinating thing trying to figure out when that shift in thinking I know. happens, because it, it happens, but it's kind of mysterious. I feel and like it's almost like a spiritual awakening in a way. God knows there's a better path for us out there. Like I always say at night when I pray, like, thank you God for helping me transform in your will. I guess in my view, God is a little bit like the assistant principal in the breakfast club. <laughs> And when yes. what's his name is like acting up, and he's like, "Fine, you're in here next week." And he's yep. like, "Fine, I don't yep. care." And he's yep. like, "Fine, I'll see you in two weeks." Yeah, that's Fine. God. I know. Uh, that I was know. kind of my view. Yeah. I was like, yeah. "All right, he's just going to keep going until I am finally done and ready to stop." Right. Um, and my my views have shifted. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I no longer think that God of my understanding is yeah. like a high school vice principal. Right. So, right. Yeah. Well, I used to think that AA sobriety was my punishment. Yeah. Me too. You know, this is what I did, and now look at how I have to live. I know. And I used to think God was, like, punishing. Oh, yeah. Like you were saying. That's why I totally get it. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. yeah. I spent a fair amount of time in quiet study when mm-hmm. I was in junior high and high yeah. school. Yeah. Because I was always in trouble. Yeah, and, I was always in trouble, too. And so it was like, oh, okay, this is, like, the... <laughs> the grown-up version mm-hmm. of quiet study halls in mm-hmm. a meeting. What, what do you think was the worst advice you ever received when you were trying to get sober? That AA is only for alcoholics. <laughs> Alright, are there any songs that you listen to in recovery that have special meaning for you? So, there's one called Better Days by Dermot Kennedy. Okay. And it's very meaningful. I have a friend in AA, and she sent me the song. She was like, this reminds me of you, and just like your journey in the program and it really helps me listening to this song too and it's just basically saying like there are better days out there just like keep going like it does get better because I still struggle sometimes I still need that reminder sometimes like things are not going to be shitty forever like whatever you're going through you'll get through it yeah uh, and now it's time for the alcoholic lightning round are you ready? I'm ready you look ready I'm, I'm just going to tell people that you look ready alright we're going to put 30 seconds on the clock Three words that people use to describe you. Outgoing, empathetic, and passionate. Best travel advice for someone visiting New York City. See everything that you can. (laughs) When they make the movie Breakfast with an Alcoholic, who will play you? Margaret Robbie. (laughs) Social issue you care most about? Climate change. Do you believe in ghosts? I do. Dogs or cats? Cats. All good. Okay. All right. Well, you made it through the alcoholic lightning round. Uh, I hope you enjoyed breakfast. I know I did. I Uh, did. This was great. Thank you again so much for having me. Well, thank you, and thanks for sharing your story with us. Of course. Well, that's it. I hope you enjoyed breakfast with an alcoholic. I know I'm already looking forward to another great breakfast soon. And I know it's Alcoholics Anonymous. 
we're completely okay if you want to tell your friends about us. You can find the Daily Gratitude lists on Twitter and Instagram at thanksflms. Thanks for letting me share. Or you can visit thanksforlettingmeshare.substack.com. You can find the Daily Gratitude list there too, as well as, and importantly, episodes of Breakfast with an Alcoholic. So visit, subscribe, and visit again. Finally, on a serious note, if you need help, or think you might need help, or know someone who needs help, and you're ready to ask, there's someone who can help you. In New York, you can go to nyintergroup.org, and that's a complete listing of AA resources in this area. So, be well, stay groovy, call your sponsor, and join us next time on Breakfast with an Alcoholic.